Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is breaking down the bottom. So we're breaking down the bottom three teams from each conference last season. So the six teams we're going over are the Detroit Pistons, the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's start with the Detroit Pistons. Jalen, they were 20-46 and 46 last season, and they are 1-5 right now. Jalen, where do you see Detroit in the Eastern Conference right now? About where they're at. I mean, I think the biggest thing with Detroit right now, because, you know, the biggest focus of looking at the bottom today is not only – talking about where they were beforehand, but also projecting forward in terms of what they may become. I mean, what we easily know is that Detroit right now is just strictly trying to build a culture. They're trying to put upside blue chip guys in their, in their program and trying to build something up. And so with that being the case, bringing guys like Jeremy Grant, who came from a winning organization, um, in Denver, who was actually in the Western Conference Finals last year. Same thing with uh, with Mason Plumlee. Um, looking at the way they drafted, I think is really interesting too, right? Getting a guy with a, a ton of upside but high character, Killian Hayes. Getting a guy like Sadiq Bey out of Villanova, who has been low-key, low-key hooping for them, by the way. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um Detroit is not trying to win this year. Anybody who tells you they're out there trying to make a playoff spot, you're lying to yourself. Anybody who thinks that they're out here trying to be some kind of actual contending team, you're lying to yourself. This year is about one thing and one thing in particular. It is about putting yourself in the position to move forward as a quality organization from the inside out. That is what this year is about. And I think that right now, I think we've seen a lot of upside from a good handful of guys. Blake Griffin has had a couple of games in, but of course he has also had a couple of DMPs. I think Derrick Rose has been an extreme, extremely good bright spot for them. So far, Killian Hayes, rough start to his start in the league, but I think that that's going to be precedented for when you're playing the point guard position on a team that's not extremely talented from top to bottom. And then you talk about the fact that they have a guy in Josh Jackson who's been bouncing around the league despite being the third overall pick just a couple of seasons ago. And he's averaging 15 points for them right now. Like, I think they they have a lot to, to be happy with. Um, I think Sadiq Bey, who's averaging 8.8 points right now and 4.4 rebounds, he's a guy who I think down the line with more minutes is going to look really good for them. But, like, let's just think about their their future, right? I'm not factoring in Blake Griffin. Uh, I can't really factor in Mason Plumlee or Derrick Rose as well. But Jeremy Grant, 22.8 points. We talked about him on the last podcast as a guy who is balling right now um, for, for the Pistons. And really the only bright spot for them um, in terms of looking at a, quote, unquote, all-star caliber player, so to speak. 
Um, then you look at Josh Jackson, who I mentioned beforehand, 15.5 uh, points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, playing relatively well. And then Sadiq Bey and I, Isaiah Stewart, who at the four positions are combined for about 13 points per game coming off the bench. So, like, they have a really good, like, core. If Killian Hayes can become the kind of 15-7 and seven guy that I think he can be in this league, the Pistons have the kind of core that could easily be moved up the totem pole in terms of developing teams like the Sacramento Kings, the Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, so on and so forth. I think that position is so vital that if Killian can play up to what we expect him to be, especially as a top 10 lottery pick, 15 and seven from a guy like that instantly makes this young core look a little bit brighter overall. So I think the Pistons are in good respects. But we're not expecting them to be some type of winning team. So one in five as their start is not necessarily something I want to poo-poo at. Well, I thought this team was a rebuilding team at first. They really struggled to get wins last year, and they also struggled to stay healthy. But it looks like this team is in the early stages of building a playoff team down the road. I think they have the head coach in Dwayne Casey. I think the main issue that I have with him is that when he's able to take this team to the playoffs – how far will they go? How is he going to mold this team into a playoff team? Much like, I'll say, his former team, the Toronto Raptors. He's taken them to the playoffs multiple seasons, including a conference final appearance in 2016. I also think ownership made some questionable decisions in this offseason. Letting Christian Wood leave in free agency to sign with Houston, I thought that was a huge loss for their team. I think signing Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee and, and Jaleel Okafor and Josh Jackson to contracts. I thought those were interesting moves at first, and in hindsight, I wasn't really sure how well they would pan out in Detroit. But so far, they are actually playing very well for Detroit. I will say that the Jeremy Grant signing, like I mentioned in the last episode, has paid off. I think Mason Plumlee has become a solid addition to the front court, and he leads the team in rebounds. I think Blake Griffin... When he was healthy, I think he still seems like the same guy before he still plays like the same guy before he was injured. And I think as the season progresses, I know you you mentioned Killian Hayes. I also want to mention Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey. I want to see how Hayes, Stewart, and Sadiq Bey develop throughout the season. I know Killian Hayes is struggling a little bit, but I think that as as the season progresses, I feel like we're going to see guys like Hayes, Stewart, and Sadiq Bey get better. I think this team, though, still has a lot of work to do in order to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think Detroit is a team that is going to be, you know, an on and off, got to play it by ear, game to game kind of team, basically is what I'm saying. This is a team that overall, I think we're going to have to see how the rookie guys specifically um, develop, because I think that's going to tell us a lot about what this team could be because right now their biggest upside is the fact that they play relatively within themselves, but you can tell that the offense is just not really there in terms of figuring out what their scheme is. They're 20th in the league in offensive rating. They're 21st in pace. Like they're, they're 18th in points per game, which is definitely a good upside, but This is a team that needs to figure out where its athletes are, figure out where its playmakers are, and start trying to build an offense around that. Um, 
and that means that Dwayne Casey has a lot in front of him to, uh, you know, start figuring out because this is a team that, you know, they're going to want to see some development soon. Otherwise, Dwayne Casey is going to end up being considered a guy that they need to move on from. And I don't know if he's going to be a big fan of that. So moving on now to the Atlanta Hawks. So the Hawks were 20 and 47 last year, and they've had a huge improvement this season at four and two. Jalen, how close do you believe Atlanta is to reaching the playoffs? Um, I think they're there. I think they're very close, if not already in. I mean, this is a team that's there. Their floor, probably the A seed, but their ceiling is a top five team in the Eastern Conference. So I think when you look at it in the grand scheme, everything that they did in their offseason, and I'll let you list some of that stuff off, everything in their offseason says – this is a team gunning for the playoffs now, and I don't see why they wouldn't be in that position. So last season, the Hawks were developing a lot of their players. I think Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Kevin Herter. I think those are just a few of the guys that last year, they really blossomed into great players for this team. I would say Trey Young has become the all-star of this team. I think Hunter, Reddish, and Herter improved last season, and I think they've become valuable assets to this team. In addition, they've also had an amazing offseason by signing guys like Rajon Rondo, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Chris Dunn. I also think they have the talent this year to be a competitive team in the East. The issue last season, and I think the same issue this season kind of applies, I think even though Capella was a great addition and Chris Dunn has been a great addition, I feel like it's been defense. Capella is not going to be a guy who is going to play the full 48 minutes, and Chris Dunn hasn't played at all this season. And we also haven't seen Ayeka and Kongwu, the sixth overall pick, play this season. I think Hunter and Reddish could develop into solid defenders, but I think only time will tell. I think defense has been an issue last season. Defense is still an issue this season. I think despite this, though, with the talent on their team, I expect Atlanta to be a top five team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Atlanta right now is this and this in particular. They are a team that has the chance to be a top five offense in the league and could even be historically trendsetting the way Luka Doncic and the Mavericks were, unlike the fact that when you look at their roster, they didn't seem like that kind of team. I think this team looks like feels like, built like a team that should be in the top five offensively this year. And I think that that is something that offsets things when we're talking about where they lack defensively. And I mean, Ryan, let's be honest. Their lead guard is Trey Young, dude. They're, they're not in a position right now where they're going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, locking guys up. And, um, you know, I, I think this is a team basically, right, when you look at it overall, that over time, I think they're going to develop into a better defensive team. That's, that's where I want to go with that. Over time, I think they're going to be able to develop into a better overall defensive team. They've made significant stripes, stripes already um, in that position. Last year, they were 30th overall in points per game. This year, they're 17th overall in points per game. This year, their defensive rating is 17th in the league. Last year, it was 27th. Like, they're already making strides. So I don't want to take big jabs at their defense as if they're, like, just turnstiles trying to put up 180 points per game. We know that's not what they're going for. 
they are improving in that area, along with the fact that their offense has significantly improved. I think the biggest thing for them, I mean, they already are the second highest scoring team in the league, but um, I think the biggest difference for them on top of being the second highest scoring team in the league, which is like crazy, (laughs) is they actually have depth. Like, you mentioned some of the guys who haven't played. Danilo Gallinari is another guy who, like, we haven't seen really. You know what I mean? But I think that shows a lot of potential in terms of how dangerous they are. We're talking about Onyeko Kongu, who's a top six pick in the in the draft. We haven't seen him yet. Like, that's that's crazy influx talent. Clint Capella is coming off of injury. I think he's going to slowly, you know, move himself into a good position. I think that's something that over time we're going to see become better and better. Um, Danilo Gallinari, bucket. Cam Reddish developing. DeAndre Hunter just had a monster game um, a couple of days ago. I mean, John Collins is playing for a contract, which we've discussed beforehand in terms of where he fits overall in a lot of this rotation stuff. Right now, he's making it very hard on Atlanta's front office. Like, this is a team with a lot of scary upside. And, yeah, I think they're going to be a top – I think they're going to be a top five seed come the end of the year as long as the wheels stay on the bus. So, moving on to the last team in Eastern Conference, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were 19-46 and 46 last season. And, surprisingly, they are 4-2 and two right now. Jalen, what has been going right for the Cleveland Cavaliers? <laughs> Sorry, the, the the pause is there because the question really is what what is going good for the Cavaliers? You know, that's it's it's odd to have to put in that perspective, but they're a team that's just playing together. Um, I don't want to make it seem like anything scary, existential, or anything like that, but they're they're playing quality basketball. They've got five guys averaging double figures. Two other guys that are, you know, nearly average in double figures. Mind you, Kevin Love is one of them and is out again for some time. And we might not see him for a while. But, you know, outside of that, Colin Sexton, 26 points per game. Excellent play at the guard position right now. Darius Garland, a guy who was hobbled coming out of Vanderbilt, and had a rough start to last season, and people were already labeling him a bust because of where he was taking a draft. Like, dude, let the man let the man get healthy, <laughs> and then let's see the man play. He's averaging 17, 3, and 6 with, with six assists per game. I mean, like, let's, let's let the man develop. And then Andre Drummond, who, for better or for worse, Cleveland went out and decided to sign and is going to have for this year – and he's averaging 17, 14, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. Like, like I don't know about you, but last year looks crazy when we saw that Giannis Antetokounmpo was over Anthony Davis in the Defensive Player of the Year voting by as big a margin as he was. At the rate that Andre Drummond is playing, if he does not win Defensive Player of the Year, it is highway robbery. I'm talking big boy monopoly like monopoly board game stealing like it's bad because two steals per game and two blocks per game at the center position specifically the blocks i mean specifically the steals he's averaging more more steals than colin sexton 
or Dar- Darius Garland, who more so are supposed to be within that position. You understand what I'm saying? Like from a defensive standpoint. And ironically enough, they're also getting more production from guys like Larry Dance Jr., who also is averaging almost three steals per game. So like this is a team that is just like, like I said, they're just playing within themselves. I think they're finally kind of putting things together and the pieces are starting to finally make sense. Colin next to Darius Garland um, has been huge. I think when they get Isaac Okoro back, that'll tell us a lot about what happens with them moving forward because I think he sways what their upside looks like. And I got to be honest, Ryan, with this, with, with this kind of start and Kevin Love only playing two games, don't we trade him now? Like, don't we finally trade him? Like, it's, got, it's, it's about that time, dude. This team looks really good with young building blocks. It looks like they're finally doing their thing and developing guys. Trade Kevin Love. Get some more draft picks. Let's develop some more guys and set a culture. Because, I mean, this, this is ridiculous watching this man in and out of the lineup now. Well, last season, I feel like for the Cavaliers was the same case with the Hawks, where this team was trying to develop their players. And you can see this development this season with guys like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, who are arguably two of the most underrated guards in the Eastern Conference right now. I think that Cleveland has their backcourt of the future with Garland and Sexton. They picked up Andre Drummond at the deadline to improve on defense, and it's working. Like you mentioned, he's averaging two blocks and two steals a game. He's averaging 17 and 14. Cleveland's off to a strong start right now, and Colin Sexton, like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, should be considered for most improved player. Drummond, like I mentioned, is averaging 17 and 14. Jetty Osmond is a guy who's carrying some of the load for the team at small forward with guys like Kevin Love out. But there have been two problems, and one of them is injuries. Jetty Osmond and Larry Nance Jr. have been picking up the slack because guys like Isaac Okoro and Kevin Love have been injured. Matthew Delavadova, who was just re-signed by the team, has also been out, which hurts because he's a guy who you want to lead the second unit. Which leads me to my second issue, which is depth. Jalen, the Cavs, they don't have a lot of depth right now. At center, JaVale McGee compliments Drummond well coming off the bench, and I think Larry Nance should definitely start full-time at power forward. But Jalen, remember when we were talking about the Cavaliers in our draft analysis series, and we said that the last thing the Cavaliers needed was a guard? (laughs) Yeah, they need guards. Jeez. Dylan Windler has only played one game. Dante Exum is averaging under five points a game. Kevin Porter Jr. hasn't played a game this season. Neither has Della Vadova. Jalen, right now, I don't think this team is a playoff team. However, I've been proven wrong before, so we will see what happens. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Cleveland, similar to Detroit, is we didn't look at this is not uh this is not uh how do you phrase it? This is not a playoff team. This is not a, a potential playoff team watch kind of season. That that's not what this year is about. This is another year of development. This is another year of who sticks, 
who is supposed to be a guy that we can use as a building block. Kevin Porter Jr. is disrupting the flow of that because I think that's a guy who they really would like to lean on. Dylan Windler, I, I thought he was going to be so much more coming out of the draft. And so far, things have been relatively underwhelming in that department. Um, it is so weird, like you said earlier, for us to have been harping so much during the draft analysis series about, please, Lord, by the power of Grayskull, just do not take a guard in this draft considering how deep this draft is at guard it's so tempting but grab guys at other positions with significant upside and so far they are they are reaping what they sow by not going after now if Isaac Okoro comes back healthy I think they feel a little bit better about their situation but Again, I think that's what hap- I think that's why Kevin Love being on the trade block for real this time needs to be an actual conversation in Cleveland because of the fact that they need to build depth at that position. And if packaging Kevin Love along with some of these guys that aren't really producing with them, <clears throat> Dante Exum, so like to put themselves in a position to grab other future guys to develop or maybe even to build around Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as like veteran figures at the guard position. I think you do it. You know what I mean? I think it's something that needs to be really thought about if I'm Cleveland. So transitioning now to the Western Conference, and we're going to start with the Golden State Warriors. Jalen, the Warriors were 15 and 50 last year, and they are three and three right now. Jalen, they've had an interesting start to the season this year. What do you think the Golden State Warriors need to do to make the playoffs? Ooh, to make the playoffs. Have Steph pray a lot? I don't know, man. This is a team that's like, man, this this is a team that does not look like any, any version of the Golden State Warriors that I've seen over the last decade, even spanning back to teams that had like Steph Curry and Monte Ellis as the lead guards. Like, this is a team that looks... I don't know, man. I think I'll say this. This will be my caveat. Andrew Wiggins. Do I need to say anything else? Like, that's really it. Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins – I mean, we're in a position right now. Steph Curry just went for 60-plus the other night and put the whole league on notice that they need to stop memeing him. James Wiseman – looks like a second overall pick. You know what I mean? Like, Draymond Green has been injured the first couple of games. He's coming back from nagging injuries and is going to slowly develop over the course of the year. If you're, if you're asking Kelly Oubre to hit threes, you're asking the wrong question. So the only other person that I can really point to if we're talking about making a playoff push is Andrew Wiggins. We need you to play both sides of the ball. You need to be a 20-point-per-game score in winning efforts. And we need you to play within the flow of Golden Golden State Warrior basketball. Not isolation, one-on-one, Maple Jordan style playing. 
between that, between Andrew Wiggins needing to take the next step finally in his career as an as an overall player, I don't know, man. They might have to make a couple of moves or ask a couple of people to play out of their body because they need this team to play Golden State Warrior basketball. And right now they don't have the three-point shooting for it. And it's unfortunately, and I don't mean to disrespect anybody, but I also think that they're struggling in the basketball IQ department, which is something we haven't been able to say about a Golden State Warriors team in a while, if at all, really. So I think that those are my big things with Golden State right now. So last year, Golden State dealt with a lot of injuries, mainly to Steph Curry, Kevon Looney, and Draymond Green being out for most of last season. And Klay Thompson being out for last season as well, but also is out for this season. Eric Pascal and Damian Lee, I feel like, have been the bright spots for this team last season in their ability to step up for the team. I think this season, having Steph Curry back makes the Warriors a better team overall, especially in the last game when he scored 62 points against the Portland Trailblazers. I think getting Kevon Looney back and Draymond Green help boost the defense for the Warriors. And I think pairing Draymond up with a guy like James Wiseman, who was playing, like you said, with the potential of a second overall pick, I think that's going to be crucial to the success of the Warriors' front court. I think Eric Pascal and Damian Lee will continue to develop into great players. And I think having these players healthy is going to be crucial for the Warriors, especially in trying to get back to the playoffs. But Jalen, the elephant in the room, it's Klay Thompson. Because the Warriors are not the same team without him. And I know Steph is a great player, and he can lead this team, but the team needs Klay Thompson. I think if Klay was healthy for this season, I think the Warriors would be a better, would most likely be in a better position for a chance at the playoffs this season. And I think it really is about health. And if all of the Golden State Warriors players are healthy, Steph Curry, Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, Eric Pascal, Damian Lee, I think that they're a competitive team in the West, and I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that – they're a team that has a lot of questions to ask and I, that, that have a lot of questions that are being asked that need answers. And unfortunately, the easy answer would be Clay Thompson. And unfortunately, we just can't lean on that this year. So it's going it, to the West is a tough conference. So I wouldn't say miracles um, are going to need to take place. But in a conference where 50 wins in most seasons could still potentially or, or 40, 40 to 45 wins could potentially still be a record that leaves you out of the playoffs, Golden State really has their work cut out for them, for real. So transitioning to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were 19-45 and 45 last season. And Jalen, they are 2-4 and four right now. This is a team that struggled last year to get wins. Jalen, what do you think is the ceiling for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year? The AC, I mean, that's really the best that they can do. They have the talent for it. You know what I mean? Malik Beasley, 
playing really well for them right now. Anthony Edwards is showing a lot of upside on both sides of the ball, um, specifically offense as we expected. But I think he's had little spurts here and there that have made me think that he has the potential to be a moderately good to relatively decent two-way player. D'Angelo Russell and then obviously Carl Anthony Towns. I think they have the talent for it. It's just this is a rough conference, and they're trying to still make pieces fit and still trying to make things work. Now, I think the biggest thing with Minnesota, too, is they go as Carl Anthony Towns goes. And coming off of the kind of year that Carl Towns has came out to, shout out to him and all the stuff that is happening within his personal life. We hope that he's doing okay and everything. But with them going as he goes, how he steps onto the floor over the course of this season is going to determine what their true upside is. When he's playing at an all-star caliber level, they're at bare minimum an A seed in the Western Conference. If he's a shell of himself, they're picking first, like when they picked for him <laughs> all over again. You know what I mean? When they pick, like the, how they picked for Anthony Edwards this year, they're going to be right back in that draft pool again. So the difference in where they end up really is Carl Anthony Towns tenacity on the court as a regular center or an all-star center. This team has dealt with a lot of change, especially at the trade deadline last year. Think about where this team was at last year. This team had Andrew Wiggins and Robert Covington. And at the trade deadline, both of them were gone, and they were able to acquire D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman, Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, and that's just a few of the guys that they acquired. They also signed Ricky Rubio in the offseason. They got the number one pick. They drafted Anthony Edwards. I think as the season progresses for Minnesota, I think we will see how guys like Amari Spellman develop. And I think if Anthony Edwards lives up to the first overall pick potential that he has, so far he's performed very well in his first couple of games. But Jalen, I have to agree with you. Their playoffs chances are slim this year. I think that this is a team that can find themselves in the playoff picture next season. But I think this year it's about developing some of the younger guys, like I mentioned, Amari Spellman, and then their first overall pick, Anthony Edwards. I would also say Jaden McDaniels as well, who they drafted in the draft as well. I think that this team definitely has a future ahead in front of them, and I think that they have the ability to make the playoffs next season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot about just seeing how they develop this year. But next season will be their target year. But right now, I think, like I said beforehand, the ship is stirred by what Carl Anthony Towns is or isn't. And so far in early stages, it's a lot more isn't because he either hasn't been on the floor or he hasn't been playing, you know, out of his mind yet, which is really going to be what it's going to take to get a Minnesota team into the playoffs. So the last team we're going to talk about today is the New Orleans Pelicans, who were 30-42 and 42 last season, and this year they are 4-2 and two right now. Jalen, what do you believe was the main issue for the New Orleans Pelicans last year going into this year? Giving Lonzo the keys. I think this is a team that was 
beside itself in terms of trying to figure out what they wanted this future to look like. As long as they always had Drew Holiday in the lineup, I think that it was always going to be a situation where Lonzo Ball was going to be at a disadvantage because he wasn't playing at the speed, the pace, the style that we know that Lonzo Lonzo Ball thrives in. And I think that's the biggest thing for me with this team because outside of that, Really, the only other thing you can point to is Zion Williamson's health, considering that they were they were playing him on limited minutes. I mean, I think that's that, but that's the obvious answer, right? Less Zion equals less chance. Like, sounds like easy calculations to me. I'm not great at math, but that sounds like one of those things that you can lean on. Play Zion more minutes equals more points, equals more rebounds, equals one more extra highlight play that you would love to put on SportsCenter late at night. And you might be that much closer to a dub on a night-to-night basis. So I think that that one's the obvious one, but Lonzo Ball in particular, I think developing overall this season and being given the keys this year, I think is the biggest thing that we need to focus on. Right now, he's averaging a career high in points with 12.3 points per game. That's not saying a whole lot. He is averaging career lows in terms of rebounds and assists, 4.5 assists and 4.5 rebounds. I think that'll get an uptick over the course of the year. Um, but the biggest thing is he's shooting He's shooting good from the floor, 51% from two, uh, 38%, nearly 40% from the field. And the biggest thing now is still just that three-point shot. I think over the course of the year, if Lonzo Ball continues to develop at the point guard position, you know you have an all-star in Brandon Ingram. You know you have an all-star caliber player in Zion Williamson. I think that Lonzo Ball is the missing cog in that puzzle. And he's a guy who was saying towards the last season, you guys watch out, watch this year. Everybody will be, you know, everybody who was talking crap this year won't be talking the same. And so far he hasn't really proven anybody wrong yet. So I think that's going to be the big step for them. But if we're just talking about strictly what's different from this year to last year, like I said earlier, the easy answer is give that boy Zion more minutes and you're going to eat. And so far, you know, they've, they've, they've paid dividends to that to a certain extent. And I think that was one of the issues from the bubble last year, especially trying to maintain how many minutes Zion plays during the game, but I think there's a bigger issue than just Zion's minutes. I think it's depth. I feel like they haven't been able to get a lot of scoring off the bench, and I feel like outside of Josh Hart and J.J. Redick, we haven't really seen a lot this year from guys like Nicola Melli and Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They got a new coach in Stan Van Gundy, so it gives me the assumption that they're trying to compete for a playoff spot this year. And there are going to be games where you need to look for the next guy up. And I think the Pelican starters have proven to give you scoring when you need it. Guys like Steven Adams, for example, guys like Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, those three guys have been reliable scorers so far this season. They improved in getting Zion a great compliment on the defensive side in Steven Adams and then re-signing Brandon Ingram. Guys, like I mentioned before, who have helped in terms of scoring for the New Orleans Pelicans. I think this team definitely has a chance to make the playoffs. I think the real question is, in a loaded Western Conference, how far will they go? 
That is the question. That is the question because they have a lot of the upside to be a playoff caliber team. And, you know, although we've we've talked about a lot of teams on the rise in the Western Conference and how to a certain extent the Western Conference has also kind of come down to earth in terms of not having a definitive over-the-top you-can't-beat-them Warriors team that's kind of been dominating the league over the last couple of seasons – we don't, there's a lot more parity in the Western Conference, a lot more parity in the NBA right now. And that leaves a chance and an opportunity for a team like the Pelicans to be in. I think that it's going to come down to matchup though, right? Because I think the biggest thing with them is if they can catch a team lacking, I think they are a team that has the kind of overall talent to push a team, push a team to seven, but I also feel as though they are just maybe a smidge too young, and that makes me feel as though their upside would be a a first round exit in a series that goes to at least six games, if not seven games. I think that's the I think that's the overall takeaway from this year. And in Zion Williamson's second year, I think expecting any more from him would just be kind of harsh. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, out of the six teams that we've talked about today, which one do you believe could make the playoffs? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.